0: Howdy, folks! Happy Friday! Thank God it is Friday. Uh, we have Kevin Allen as usual on Fridays. Uh, we'll start off with our pre-show, uh, Russ. We will, not, we will not talk about the malls of Western New York as I promised we would yesterday, because uh, Kevin, we had a lengthy discussion this, this discussion about the malls in New Jersey, and it just had everybody. Well, because I'm I mean, in one, and and that's
1: really all started from that. I mean, yeah, yeah. What uh, what are the issues with the malls in New Jersey?
2: No, there was no issue. You was we were going back to the O.J. Simpson thing. So I, I was working for, a, for a, a video game company and I was only a few months into it. I just switched out of the hotel business. So I had I had TVs in my store and I was never supposed to put television on. And, you know, I, I did because people kept piling into the store wanting to know what was going on. Yeah, but, so but it got into that. And then yeah. we started talking about malls because then I became like a district manager and, and I started Yeah, I was
0: up in X area. Act took the conversation about O.J. Simpson and kidnapped it, and taught we talked about like every mall within like an hour's drive of X. So that's that's where it went.
1: Well, the interesting thing about malls is how (laughs) they're they're dying. You know, like when I was a kid, like or even just a young young person, like malls were the thing. You know, they were, and now you know it's just horrible. Like you know, everybody shops online and. You know, you don't uh, teenagers don't go to the mall to hang out anymore, you know. So, no, they, they,
0: they used to go like to, you know, there used to be arcades that people, the kids would go to 20 years ago. Now they play all their video games at home. But now, like the big mall in, in our area, uh, Galleria Mall, it's uh, near the Buffalo Airport. There are so many vacancies now. A lot of that was because of COVID. And but you just, yeah, yeah but um, unless they're going to knock down rents. For these places, I don't think they're gonna fill any. There's like large caverns of of places that that used to be like a big big department stores like Lord and Taylor and uh, J C Penney's and Sears. They're just not. I don't think they're ever gonna find anybody to fill those places.
1: Yeah, I mean the big box stores, you know, they're not, They don't survive anymore unless it's online. You know, no one. You know, why even do it? Like if you're if you're a brick and mortar and you're you're a big. Uh, organization, um, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't immediately try to convert to all online and try to compete. Well, that seems like what Target is doing, according to my, you know, wife and uh, daughters. That
2: yeah, Target does a lot of both, and they do well online. They do.
1: They Target. do. Yeah. So Target. they they compete with Amazon. So yeah, Tar- yeah,
0: Target, Walmart, they all do really good business. Go ahead, Russ, with the pre-suit. all right. So yep. on this day in 1974.
2: Smoking Joe Frazier, my favorite boxer, tko Jerry Quarry for the second time at Madison Square Garden. And the reason I bring this up, and of course Kevin was around then too, um, is because I always felt, and I never got an answer to this, but I always felt like when we were playing Nintendo Punch-Out, that Glass Joe was Jerry Quarry. I always felt like because Jerry Quarry was known for having that glass jaw, that that's who they modeled Glass Joe out of. and. and Kev, you aren't a big boxing fan, but you knew about Jerry Quarry. Sure.
1: I knew about Jerry Quarry. I always saw him as the Washington Generals of Boxing. Yeah. Like like when you when you when a big name fighter needed a fight to make some money after he had just won, before he defended his title. I mean, he defended it against Quarry, but Quarry wasn't gonna beat him. So right. you'd fight Jerry Quarry because everybody knew Jerry Quarry, so people would tune in and uh So he was like the Washington Generals. He's the guy you beat up before you went and and uh, you know fought for.
0: uh, He he was uh, a he was a safe tune-up, is what you're saying, which is which is right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't
2: realize. I think his first big fight was against Floyd Patterson. So Quarry was even went back further than than I even realized. I guess Patterson Patterson fought a long time too.
1: What what did you just say? I missed it because uh, I.
2: Oh, it looked like Quarry's first fight may have been may have been against Floyd Patterson. Oh, I one see. of his early flights. but Patterson fought a long time too, so it probably wasn't that long before seventy four. But you know, he was well, older older than I thought.
0: Well, Russ, I the like because I remember that game very well, and you remember yeah. there was there was you know there was uh, gl- uh, glass Joe and there was bald bald bull bald bull yeah I, I think bald remember bald bull was a guy who you could hit. In the head about 5,000 times, and he it wouldn't matter, but he hit him in the stomach a bunch body of body blows
2: things. would get yeah. him. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was I, to my mind, he was Randall Tex Cobb without hair.
2: Now, I can tell you because I was in the video game business at the time, I'm not going to talk about malls, but when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson that day, when because remember, they were fighting where were they fighting Japan? Yeah, Tokyo, Tokyo. That day, Mike Tyson's punch out came out and had him pictured on the box with the championship belt and he had just lost the championship that cost a lot of money to, to change that up because that was, that
0: essentially ruined the marketing plan of that game. Well, speaking about, speaking about costing a lot of money, I wanted to go in this direction because this just popped in, popped in my head. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Mm -hmm. uh, the soccer player, um, apparently at, at the dais at this Euro cup had pushed away a bottle of Coca-Cola. Uh, and it was even, because it's Coca-Cola is one of the sponsors. He pushed away Coca-Cola, Diet Coke, Dasani, whatever, you know, pushed it all away. And there was a market correction of $4 billion. And they're attributing that to Ronaldo uh, um, spurning Coca-Cola.
1: Yeah,
2: I yeah. really is that really true, though? I mean, I that's well, what's important.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I will say that stuff's big business. Like I remember uh, during the I think it was the lockout when the, the t- they had that NHL Players Association. I think it was like three on three. Or was it or maybe it was. Oh, world. was that
2: Ryan Smith when he was doing no. that? that tour?
1: no. No, maybe it was, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it was just a, like a World Cup thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Wayne Gretzky was coming up for an interview and he's walking up to the podium and he stops and i think he was a coke sponsor and it was the pepsi was everywhere and he just said no this is not gonna do <laughs> so you know he couldn't you know and obviously he was being loyal to his uh, sponsor um and uh you know and that was i remember that was sort of the first time i really had given that a lot of thought because you know not a lot of hockey players had a lot of big time Deals. No, that's I'm sure, true. I'm sure, his deal with, and and to be honest with you, I don't remember whether he was Coke or Pepsi, but his deal with whomever it was, he was going to be loyal to it. You know. Yeah, so. but
2: okay, but the only thing I could say in contrast to it, and maybe you know, maybe Mike's right, and that's how the financial world works. But like Tiger Woods years ago, not that long ago, maybe five, ten years ago, was doing Buick, and you would never see Tiger Woods driving a Buick in public. That was an impossibility.
0: So, like, wouldn't that hurt the market if you see Tiger Woods in his regular car? Yeah. Well, well, the most famous one is the Dream Team, the the, the basketball Dream Team, and Michael Jordan, who obviously you know, with Air Jordans was sponsored by Nike and the Olympic, uh, the U.S. Olympic, uh, their uniforms, I think, believe were Reebok, and when yeah. they had the gold medal ceremony, I'm pretty sure Jordan either, he either covered up the Reebok emblem or put on like something else over it, like a, like a hoodie or something over it that, you know, cause he couldn't, he was staying loyal to the, and maybe contractually he couldn't do it. But I mean, it, it's always, it's always like really, you know, skittish what, what happens, but all I know is like $4 billion. I mean, just because the guy moved a bottle on a table. It's all. Always-
1: well, yeah. I mean, who knows whether that's true, but I got a fun story. That's hockey related. Okay. Uh, I was on a conference call this morning with uh the great mike emrick and uh i can't remember exactly how it came up but he told the story because mike was a minor league uh, broadcaster before he got his nhl chops um of mike stuthers and val james fighting 12 times in a seven game series like now and and his only doc could say You'd think they would have had, had it sorted out by the seventh time they fought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike Stothers and Val James both played for the Maple Leafs at one point. That was yeah. in the 80s. Everybody, everybody played
1: for the Maple Leafs.
0: No, memory. no, not everybody, but uh, but they did. I remember them both. Um, but
1: that's got to be a record, you know. I would think be. so. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I, I, you know, I know that they did a documentary that we saw numerous times over the uh, – over like the, the number of games I went to covering the Sabers a few years ago, uh, when they celebrated the the 50th anniversary, of the Sabers where Taidomi and and Rob Ray probably fought about 20 some odd times, but that wasn't in a in one seven game series. That was over a span of years, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's got to be well.
1: Right. Yeah, my my favorite fighting story. um and it was in a book that I did with Darren McCarty. And he he has vivid memories of this because the one guy, Darren McCarty was not a heavyweight. He was a light heavyweight. You know, he really shouldn't have been fighting the, the big guys. And the guy that scared him the most was Tony Twist. Oh, yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. He got into a fight with Tony Twist in St. Louis, and he, he got lucky and landed a hard punch. And uh, Twist felt it. And when they were done fighting, Twist looked at him and said, you know, basically we're going to go again. So they were out there again and Twist was pushing him and McCarty just didn't want to do this. You know, he didn't want to go toe to toe with him again. And all of a sudden he heard uh, Scotty Bowman standing up the bench yelling to Darren McCarty, Darren, if you fight Tony Twist one more time, you're not going to play the rest of this season. You're not fighting him. You hear that? <laughs> Darren looked at Tony and said, Sorry. You know not much much I can do now, and when he got back to the bench, he said, I turned to Scotty and I said, Thanks, Scotty. And Scotty said, You're welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twist was a tough one, man. He, yeah. he was a heavyweight, a real heavyweight.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, the, he was on those blues teams with Kelly Chase, and Pr- I mean, obviously, Pronger was, yeah, Pronger wasn't really a fighter. Yeah, no, he, he just, just elbowed you like, in the head. That's he, all. Just, he was just big and tough and dirty as hell, and that was good enough. But anyway, all right, let's get started with the show. Ack will be joining us in a few minutes. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, June 18th, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
1: I'm Kevin Allen from Hockey Buzz.
0: And I'm Michael Ligello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's start with the game last night. Uh, A 2-1 victory by the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning over the New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum. Um, Kev, this game sort of played out the way I thought, the way I think the series is going to play out. Close, tough, um, but in the end, Tampa's talent is a little better than the Islanders, and that sort of played out with them getting the opening goal and then responding quickly after the Islanders had tied it up?
1: Well, for sure. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but it just bears repeating, you know, they've learned so much by their losses and then their championship. And one of the things they've learned is, um, is, you know, how to survive. They have survival skills as my wife likes to say. Um, They just hang in there and they know how to do that. I mean, They've they're what ten and one in games where they're leading into the third now,
0: yeah.
1: and I, I I thought Cooper as post game press conference was just perfect because I don't know, I mean a lot of coaches understand their teams, uh, but Cooper really has an understanding. He said, you know, I thought we were sitting back a little bit too much, um, but you know, as it, as it as it turned out, the, the guys knew what they were doing, and uh, you know, it was okay, but um you know that's all they were doing they were protecting their lead and for all the offensive prowess and skill that they have they knew how to do that you know they know how to hang on to a lead they know how to play and uh, mike uh, you had said it the last time we were on about you know they can play anywhere you want or you want to play and they're perfectly comfortable playing new york islanders 2-1 hockey yeah and they think and they think not only think they know they can win that way
2: yeah early early on kev i saw that um Jan Ruda was getting into it with somebody. Maybe it was Clutterbuck. I don't remember who it was. And that person, like, hit him three times with the stick. And he just looked at him because he's, like, six foot three, carved out of stone, just looked at him like, really, are we going to do this again? And it sort of stopped. And then after that, what I saw Tampa do was keep the puck away from the Islanders with a lot of great passing, stretching the ice, and making their defensemen move. And you know what? that was working because the Islanders never could get a beat on them. And they were getting more scoring chances than the Islanders for a while early in the game. They were in the Islanders end a lot. And in the end, like you said, they know how to win. And this is where now all of a sudden the trots game plan falls apart a little bit. And he's got to go back to the drawing board because he is not going to be able to beat up this team and intimidate them or even win on Getting more penalties and getting getting more penalties on the other team, so they get on the power
0: play. None of that's going to work. So they need another game plan now. Well, I, I think they out trots, trots, but but I, but I also think that it was a little bit of a dangerous game that Tampa Bay was playing. Now they, I think they tried to win win the game one nothing from about the beginning of the second period. They were content getting it out of the zone, you know, retaining the puck, getting it deep putting pressure on the Islanders, but there's a lot of play in the Tampa Bay zone, and I thought Vasilevsky was fantastic all night. But on the tying goal, Eric Cernak decides to try to shovel it to Vasilevsky when the puck is in close, and I think they'd had the puck in the zone for about a minute. And I'm like, as soon as I saw him do that, I'm like, he's going to – He's going to put it in the crease, and somebody like Clutterbuck or Martin is going to muck it up and, and knock it in the net, and that's exactly what happened. And luckily, they got the power play a few minutes later, and point scores that fantastic goal on the, on the man advantage. If it wasn't for that, it would have been 1-1 going to the third period, Kev, and then the game is up for grabs. But once they led the, led the game 2-1 going in the third, they just resumed playing that uh, disciplined defensive style and relying on Vasilevsky, and they were able to win the game.
1: Well, it was interesting in the post game too because um, Cooper sounded a little bit like Trotz when he said, "You know what we decided is they if they were going to score against us, they were going to have to go 200 feet. Like yep. we were, you know, they were pushing the puck as you said, get it in deep, and they were going to make yep. them come up the entire ice uh, in order to do that. And Trotz was what was Trotz saying? Trotz was saying that we didn't get enough production out of our offense. All four lines we did we were underproduced." You know, he was just talking and it, it is amazing to me, even like exceptional, knowledgeable coaches like Barry Trotz can't entertain the idea that it was the other team that was preventing right. right. It's, it's their failure. Like we just, we, we just didn't get in, you know, right. we got, no, we got that to, is,
2: that is funny.
1: Yeah. We, we, we got to get more out of our lines. Well, yeah, you know, the reason you weren't getting in is Tampa Bay is playing the way you do. And, you know, when you prevent the other team from getting goals, you don't say, well, they they didn't get the job done. You say, boy, our guys did a great job. So, um, but, you know, both teams are just playing great. Like this is good yeah. hockey. Um, and it's a shame. It was shame. a little
2: boring last night, but it still was good hockey.
0: Well, but, yeah,
1: uh, I liked it. So.
0: Well, no, I, what, what I thought, Kev, the build up to that game in terms of, oh, my God, they're going into the – the the, uh, the crucible of uh, you know the N- Nassau Coliseum where you know teams go to die. I, I can't remember what I what I uh, messaged uh, Russ that like uh, uh, Yes Network had some reference to Nassau Coliseum and which I had never heard before in yeah, my yeah, entire life. Right, the Islanders' record at Nassau. Col- I mean, they, you know, don't get me wrong. Oh, no, the record. Yes, what they wrote on top of it. I never. Right, assumed. right. So, but Tampa, they shut the crowd up in the first period with the Gord goal. The crowd was, I thought, muted for most of the second period. While you know the, the Islanders were getting good chances, then they exploded when they got the tying goal, which was a typical hard-working Islander goal. And then Tampa Bay shut them up with the with the goal to make it two to one. And in the third period, there was just sort of like a murmur, and you know, I mean, they were trying to stay in it, but I, I, I think that Tampa Bay successfully neutralized as much as you can that the the, uh, the Islanders crowd.
1: I agree. Uh... Yeah, it wasn't the factor I thought it was going to be, um, you know, but these are just two hardworking teams that I think can kind of push all those things aside and just sure. play the game. So,
0: And I and I don't, I don't think this series is over with because Tampa Bay won Not game two. I think, you know, it's very possible they get a split and they go back to Tampa Bay tied 2-2. Two, two, and then it could be like I think I predicted it in going in seven and Tampa Bay winning in I, a, I went seven-two, you yeah. know. Couple other things, Mike. Like I had brought up yesterday, Kev. Like,
2: like Cooper went to Hofstra. I know somebody that went to school with him, and so he, you know, he was on the island for form for during his college years. So he certainly spent time in Nassau Coliseum. So none of that was going to bother him anyhow, because he had seen that many times before, and he's a champion too. So that that always helps. But the other thing was, and I mentioned this a couple of days ago, two, three days ago, was that you know Braden Point was eventually going to wake up, and now that Braden Point has woken up. It's like, you know, Barzo was the secret weapon for the Islanders. Point is definitely the secret weapon for Tampa, but Tampa has more than that. And when is not scoring for the Islanders, it does dry up quick. Even though Brock Nelson's a really good player, you can't count on him to score every game. It's just not the way he is. And he's not a big assist guy. Mm-hmm. So this is where Tampa either has to make more mistakes and play into the Islanders game, which is likely not to happen, or the Islanders are going to have to figure out how to get a little more offense out of their guys. And that, that is going to be on Barry Trotz. He's going to have to figure
3: that out.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why they pay the, the, the big bucks to do that. But I think it's easier for Trotz to figure out how to stop, uh, a good offenses than to figure out how to create more goals. So oh, I
2: think so too. I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. And, the, and the other thing is, so in the chat room they're asking, so when Sorokin getting in, they're not taking Varlamov out. He didn't lose in that game.
0: No.
2: There's no reason to take him out.
0: Yeah, no, no, well,
1: hey. for sure. Um, I would agree with that. And
0: um, now Evak was if Ak was on the show. Oh, Ak would, would give us a different story, and he
2: might when he gets on. I yeah. get it.
0: You got to go to Sorokin. He's a, you know, he's a, you know. He, he would have stopped that goal side to side. I'm telling you he'd have stopped it. All right. Well, okay. Let, let's talk about a few different things here. Um, I, I was curious to read this from Pierre Lebrun yesterday, Kevin. I wanted to get your input on this. Uh, Lebron reported that he is hearing from uh, sources throughout the league, and this could be just simply putting it out there to sort of uh, – you know, put a little pressure on Ron Francis, but that there is some sort of sticker shock right now at the exorbitant prices that Ron Francis is is requiring to make these side deals like Vegas did. And so he's basically doing what George McPhee did a few years ago and asking for the moon, uh, hoping that somebody actually pays him the moon. Um, but you know, that we're a month away from the expansion draft and that that, you know, right now the the hope is that the prices go down like it usually does a month before the trade deadline. I mean, do you think NHL teams are gonna fall for this a second time? I do because nope. <laughs> the I see, I do because the cap situation right now in the league is so bad with the flat cap that somebody maybe, maybe it's not gonna be Alex Tucker, Jonathan Marsh or so, but somebody's gonna pay make a deal that they probably regret later on.
1: Well, I mean, there might be one of those or two of those, but, I, you know, they're not going to do everything they did last time. I mean, basically the way it was explained to me and talking to the general managers is there's going to be a lot more working between teams than working with Seattle. Right. Because if you trade the asset that you're going to lose to another team, you're going to get assets in return, draft picks, um, which doesn't you know the, you don't have to protect them in the expansion draft or whatever, but you're going to get something for them as right. opposed to cutting a deal with Seattle, where you have to not only, you have to give up, in many cases, the the, the team that gave up the assets last time gave up more than they were trying to protect. You right. know, like like Minnesota ended up giving up way more than that, that situation. Florida did. There were a number of teams that gave up more.
0: Columbus. But
1: yeah. 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 So um, I, I, I don't think they're going to fall for that again. I, I don't think, I mean, there'll be some deals that, where they'll give up a second asset uh but i think for the most part like it, it it looks like they're eric johnson's gonna save the day in colorado so they won't lose you know either gerard or devin taste right. but they were going to trade they weren't going to lose that to seattle nor were they going to give them an asset not to take those guys because it would have been a big asset you know they you know they can either trade that to uh um you know to another team and got a lot got a lot for tapes and or uh, Gerard. So I, I don't I don't see that I don't think uh Seattle's gonna end up with as much as Vegas did. I don't think hey, saying-
2: I don't think they'll end up with as much, Kev. I think you're right, but I can still see the Flyers doing something. And again, he was Fletcher was with Minnesota. I can see two or three teams still doing something because they are that desperate. I, I think Ron Francis is like that owner of the used car dealer, and he sees somebody getting dropped off with an Uber, and he's got a few teams and he knows it. And so like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna talk to these teams because he knows they need to get out from under. And teams that want to really do something in the playoffs next year, but are hamstrung with the cap are gonna have to give him something. And there's gonna be some of them, and I think the Flyers are one of them.
1: Well, I I, I do I would say this. I think he is going to make some deals and get some assets for helping out like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. Uh, yeah, like those deals are gonna happen. Uh, for sure. Um, because uh, Seattle's got to get to the floor as well, so it helps, yes. Them. So, yeah. I, I think we will see those deals. The deals that I think that w- we won't see as many of is okay, don't take, um, you know, Jones and I'll give you Smith and uh, um, Peterson and whoever, and there'll be three or four guys that he gives up and a, and a draft pick. We won't see those. That's where so,
2: so, Kev. Also, wrapping from yesterday, you were right about Moore I was at that press conference, and what I did take out of it, though, is that it seemed like – and, look, Don Waddell always plays it close to the vest with this stuff. He knows what to say. He's been a veteran in this a long time. But based on the fact that they jumped at move trying to at least let teams know that Hamilton's looking around this early, led me to believe there was an early impasse on this price and that the agent – for Hamilton's not going to budge for a while. And so he was afraid of the clock running out by July 28th. Now, Ron Francis could get Dougie Hamilton and say, listen, you come here. I will pay you $8 million for seven years, and we can actually try and compete like Vegas did. And you know what? He and Francis get along. It could happen.
1: I I, I think that's a possibility. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. I. And I do think that uh, uh, Carolina is just hoping that the market is not out there. But, you know, you may be right. Uh, you know, if there's any team that's going to pay it and any team willing to, uh, it, it, you know, and to be honest with you, it'd be easy, easy for Seattle to pay. It would. Because you know, they got zero, um, you know, players. Under they have count. no debt. They have no debt. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the thing is, I I a couple things with Seattle. I think that they're going to shy away from taking on big money contracts that have lots of term, like say Voracek, because he's got what three years left for us.
1: Yeah, three. Yeah. Years no, left I, I don't know about that. I I think uh, it, it's going to depend on the assets.
0: Yeah, like, he's going to have to give Tyler. John,
1: yeah, Tyler Johnson, uh, James Neal, maybe Zach Parise. I think these are all guys that he might consider under the right circumstances and i think steve eisenman is standing up there with raising his hands So remember me over here i can help out as the third man in except i'm going to want right. more than a fourth round pick
0: right you know? right i think the
2: flyers will have to give up an actual player if they want to yes. get them to pick jake voracek they'll probably have to give up a player and a draft pick but i see some sort that's I, what i think it would cost them
0: Ideally, I think Francis will want to. You know, he'll he'll be open and willing to take on salary. But ideally, it would be maybe a guy who has a year or at most two left on his deal instead of three or four. Well, but the thing about Voracek is, look, he could play hockey. Sure, he can score goals. He's just going to cost you some goals. And
2: on a team that's really expecting to compete and stay in it. They can be very costly. He needs a change of scenery desperately. So you could put him on that team, and he's probably going to be your team's leading scorer for the next three years. But like that's the reality. It's just to the Flyers, he he has really worn out, you know, what good he was for them
0: but Kevin, I think you're, I think you're dead on when it comes to, you know, the teams do have options. Like I I've been, and we're going to talk about this as we get closer to the expansion draft, like who teams may leave uh, exposed and who Seattle might take from each individual team. But like, I'm obviously focused on Toronto. Uh, A guy like Alex Kerfoot has been speculated that, you know, he might be left unprotected that Seattle uh, would potentially pick up. But, there's value to Alex Kerfoot. He had a good playoff. He's a speedy player. He's a, he can play wing. He can play center. There's value out there that you probably could get a draft pick or a player for an Alex Kerfoot, and the, probably the Leafs would rather trade him and get something back than just giving him up to Seattle for nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, there's teams looking for a third center. San Jose is looking for one. Colorado, if they trade Cadre, we'll be looking for one.
2: I know so, a team in the playoffs we're going to talk about that desperately needs a center.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, so I, yeah, this is going to be just a, a fascinating summer because we have more players than usual in the trade market, for one. We have a lot of bad contracts that people want to move. I mean, really unprecedented number. I mean, when you look at, you know, Joh- Johansson, and Duchesne in Nashville, Zach Parisi in Minnesota, James Neal in Edmonton, Tyler Johnson, um, uh, Voracek, um, Skinner.
0: Jeff, Jeff Skinner, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: Skinner. So, you know, just a ton of just um, contracts that, that are going to crush uh, uh, teams. So, yeah, you know, it, 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 there's going to be a lot going on here, and I, I think this is where creativity of the general managers will come into question
0: and and the curious and the curious thing here kev is that the off season is not that long and that's going to put pressure on these general managers to be able to make moves in a shorter window and you know that that opens up things for potential mistakes because desperation will sort of set in now um Elliot Friedman makes a, a weekly appearance on Buffalo radio and he was asked about Jack Eichel and he, he confirmed what's been reported of the last couple days that the Anaheim ducks are, are heavily interested in Eichel. And this makes a lot of sense because Getzloff's contract is, has expired. So they've got a lot of cap space. Um, Friedman reports that the third overall pick is in play um, and that they've, they've asked the Sabres about Reinhardt and Eichel. That they won't get both of them, but they're interested in both of them. And, and Russ, th- this goes along, again, when we talked about this yesterday, and I I, sh- I sort of shake my head that the Sabres hierarchy believes they have this draft. Like, they, they have it nailed. They know who the great players are. And I'm, I hear this, and I'm like, what in the hell are they talking about? Here's the best way I can put it, and I'll put it differently than I did it the
2: other day. I've been working at, you know, covering prospects for a lot of years, making draft lists. I know I'm not a scout, but I watch a lot of video and I do a lot of different things. And I speak to a lot of players. This is by far the hardest year that I've ever had. I wouldn't even attempt to do more than a list of 32 simply because not being able to see enough, not being able to see enough live, the whole mix, the good mix that you'd like to have. And. There's no way the Sabres could ever feel that comfortable about this draft because they don't have enough boots on the ground. So what they're saying is they're trying to get their fans excited about this draft and saying we got this, and this is a very dangerous draft to say we got this. Even if you went with all the U.S. guys, the U.S. team is not what it was a couple years ago. There's good players there, don't get me wrong, but if you start picking them in the wrong spots, you're going to look three, four years down the line and say – I don't think we picked this guy in the right spot i think that's the uh the inherent danger here
1: yeah and i i think you know that it's not a slam dunk that anaheim can get this deal done i think they're more than willing to give up that three but they're gonna balk at drysdale or Zegres, so. Absolutely. and um i i don't know like they wouldn't budge off of it uh with the uh, so um yeah i don't know i don't know if they're going to willing to do that i think you'd see I'd see, I'd see the Kings would give up um, Turcotte. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Yeah, that's a guess. But, you know, what do they pick, an eighth?
2: Yeah. So eighth yeah.
1: is not third. <laughs> no. <So. laughs>
2: well, and the other thing that has come about too, Kev, is that, like, we've had a benefit of, like, now, what, two years, and we could see that, hey, Zegers is probably the better player over Turcotte too, right? And the Kings, now that they have Byfield, no longer look at Turcotte as their future number one center. It's
1: Byfield.
0: Right. But they won't trade Byfield just like Anonim. Well,
1: and you know, I don't think Byfield will be there. I mean, I think it'll be Eichel if they, they get him. And, well, if they, if they
2: were to get him, but, but I'm just saying Eichel. otherwise.
1: But, but it, it changes everything. If you bring in Eichel, um, you know, that's five years difference. Like, you know, you're, you're basically building around Eichel then.
0: But, but then, then L.A. has but is going to age at some point, too.
1: Right. Well, but he is. But, you know, I'm just saying it's a different situation now. Yeah, but he's then but 30, then, uh, Byfield is, is going to be 24, or 25. He's 32, 27. So, you know, like if, if, if Byfield thinks he's going to be moving anytime soon into the, the number one center role, it's probably not true. But,
0: but then we're also Al-
2: guessing, sorry, we're also guessing Eichel's the same player after surgery.
0: But, then, L, but then, LA, then L.A. has the same problem that a team like Toronto does. You do say, say they trade trade for Eichel and they give up Byfield. Now, they have a lot of good young players on entry-level contracts that we've talked about. But at the core of that team, you have an $11 million Dowdy, a $10 million Kopitar, and a $10 million Eichel. That's $31 million on three players. And I think Toronto right now has proved you can't win. I, okay. I don't think it proves that at all. Okay. Okay. I I think it does, but that's why I've been an advocate for them trading Neal. Yeah. I don't think they can win with with four players making forty and three players making thirty one is about the same thing. But never say never. If you have the deepest farm system,
2: which LA does, yeah. and get yeah. those guys to produce, it's possible they could get around it.
1: I don't I don't think they're going to want to give up Byfield, though. I mean, I I, I no, I, they won't see him given you know turcot, but yes, um, you, you know, so, um. Well, let me look at something here. What you guys? I mean,
2: Turkot's an excellent player, but at the end of the day, the extra size on Byfield is what you don't want to give up. Right. Again, this league has a shortage of centers, and we'll <laughs> we're going to be talking about a team that maybe has the biggest shortage of centers.
0: Yeah, and no money to spend on them, Russ. Um, yeah. But just while you're looking that up, Kev. Uh, just one final thing on on uh, on Seattle. Uh, Friedman reported that Rick Tockett has had a third interview with Ron Francis and the Kraken doesn't seem doesn't mean that it's etched in stone but that's a good indicator that uh, Tockett is you know maybe the leading candidate for uh, the Kraken job and Russ I mean you know I think he you know he proved uh, in Arizona that he could work with a team that I think was Sort of lacking a lot in talent in some areas, and he was able to get them to play pretty well. So, I mean, I think yeah, Steve Stamkos—he's the one who got Tockett. Uh, he he,
2: when Steve when Tocket went to Tampa, replacing Barry Melrose, who yeah. fell in love with his forty-year-old plus line and playing Steve Stamkos nine minutes a game and no power play. Rick Tocket rescued him. And that's the kind of stuff Tockett can do. Listen, Tockett had Arizona playing over their head. I think Arizona, no matter what coach they bring in, are going to find themselves wishing that they had, you know, retained Rick Tocket.
1: Yeah, so I was right on this, and I, but I just wanted to look. So what you're saying is, um, Tampa Bay with Kucherov, Stamkos, Braden Point, Vascovlesky and Hedman at 45.6 million, five players at averaging 9 million, they won't be able to win. Is that what you're saying yeah.
0: well the, they've they've proved that they can get get through a round and the four guys at 40 million dollars have proved that they can't at least they haven't yet
1: yeah so, well I, I, my only point is that you can't just throw a blanket out that you can't you're paying ten million dollars that's you know it just depends on who they are and how it, it works and
0: and, um, and I, I think
1: you can do it it's just a matter of whether you get the right guys or not
0: yeah, and two of those three guys who are making over $10 million that they do trade for Eichel, two of them have won two Stanley Cups. So you have to cut them some slack there as we welcome Ack a-
3: into the show. Hello. I'm very sorry, folks. I had a doctor with my son and ran late, and I'm here.
0: Okay. Excellent. Uh, already, we've already talked about the Islanders in Tampa. <laughs> okay, so good. If you want to th- you give your thoughts on that, and then we can move on to rumors. I'm um, not
1: allowed to say that they got to shift to
3: Sorokin.
0: <laughs> uh, they don't have to shift to
3: Sorokin.
1: Okay, <laughs>
2: wow
3: okay wow you know i don't i i think um i think what you saw last night was like was you know that's tampa i mean that, that that's how it felt like when i was watching the game I and mean, that's a tough that's a tough scene to go into that building was crazy um all the pressure on you know on, i mean i felt like it really felt like something was going to go differently last night and obviously zero zero for a very long time could have gone either way but yeah that's yeah that's tampa that's that's why tampa's you know probably you know who knows we keep saying who's the best team i don't know who the best team is right now but tampa that was a tampa game that was a tampa game through and through just like game one was an islander game through and through so yeah i i I thought i usually think game three is game three for me is the biggest game of the series so i think that that i think it's it's four difference between two two yeah usually it's game four yeah
1: game of the series
3: I just love I just love the momentum shift of series to me that to me to me that's the most fun thing about a playoff series is how the momentum how the pressure goes from team to team you know and how who, who has to win more who who's under obviously game four now is all on the Islanders you know this is this is definitely one of those situations um, they win that game game five goes all on Tampa so it's not that, that it's just a fun it's a fun fun shift but I thought it was a good game I um. I really, I really, I'm really, you know, pulling for the Islanders. I don't think does there anybody has there been any talk today? I haven't been able to hear. Is there any talk today about Sorokin possibly going in? No, no, yeah, no. no. I didn't think so. I, I wouldn't put him into that pressure right now either. I really, I really wouldn't. Um, I did want to ask Kevin, my Kevin, one thing before we get to the other the other um game, and that is I'm working on a story on this. And I, I believe you know, the, obviously the executives of the year come out Zito, Lamorello, and and Bergevin, but. I am um, a Bergeron. I always, I'm Bergeron. Bergeron. I always, I always mix, mix up Bergeron and Bergeron. Sorry. Um, I do believe that the guy I would have voted for, I mean, I'm a Zito fan, but the guy I would have voted for, for this wasn't, wasn't one of those three. Um, I, I honestly feel like this year, the executive, the GM of the year award should have gone to Billy Garen. And I don't know why, that. I don't know why there's not more talk of this, like of what, of what Guerin did in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota loses, loses in game seven. To Vegas. I mean, they pushed Vegas as far as they could. They were they're one of the top teams in the league out of kind of nowhere in a in a way. I don't know. I mean, I it just didn't seem I, like I,
1: I would have given it to uh you know if I was voting, um, just because no one did more than he did, right? But, you know, he really turned over his roster. Um, you know, he and and, and really quickly he changed the culture. You yeah. got Spencer Knight signed, even though the, he has a $10 yeah. million goalie sitting there. The team was highly competitive. Um, Minnesota, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, Bill Guerin did a great job. I would have had him in my mix. You know, Louis. No, Kev,
2: Kev, I said I would have voted for Julian Breezeball, but the other GMs weren't going to do that. But you can make an argument
1: for him. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that did a lot of good jobs. I. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know that's that's a hard one. And well,
3: really, it's <laughs> a hard one. And like I said, like GM. I said this yesterday. GM is really not a year to year thing as much as it is, um, like a five year to five year thing. <laughs> so well, it's, it, little- it's
1: supposed to be that year. It's supposed to right. be, and and you're you are allowed to, uh, um, the first year it came out, I actually voted on the panel. Then we decided as the, as the writers group that, you know, because only a few of us were being invited, that we wouldn't do it. Right. So the second year I, I asked off of it. And then everyone decided to do that. So
0: um, well, I, and I mean I, I sort of quibbled with uh with Lamorello um being nominated for he I mean, won last year, and I think deservedly so. But this year I thought the only consequential move that they made was the Palmary trade, and he, you know, I, I thought it was open he opened himself up for a lot of criticism with the Devin Traves, the Devin Taves trade. So I think that was a one plus one minus. But right. Ken, what I'm trying to find out is did they vote on this after the second round of the playoffs or was this after the regular season? Because if it's after the regular season, Mark Bergerman should not be nominated for one of the three. Yeah, it,
1: no, it, it isn't after regular season. It carries okay. into the playoffs. It's after the second round of
3: the playoffs. Yeah. I asked about it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, I'm, I think it seems – when, when I ask around, it seems to be that Zito might actually win this thing. And I was looking around to see if there was any – in the in the ten years, it started off in two thousand and ten. So there have been ten winners of this.
0: A first year GM.
3: I don't think there's ever been a first year GM win it. And when when I went through the list,
2: Bobby Francis, I thought no, Bobby um, Francis with oh no GM, sorry, not coach.
3: First year GM, G- first year GM win this award. Hmm. Um, I
2: don't,
3: oh. I, had, I couldn't find any. I mean, I was I couldn't. Sorry. Jeez. I couldn't find the nominees either. Oh, really? uh, I was trying to see if that first year nominee had been, if there was any first year nominees. I was trying to find that, but I, looking uh, at the list of winners, it really looks like they're all they're all guys that have been there for. they were all really like big. Yeah, guys. I can't think of a first year GM. No, that's yeah, true.
1: It's this award. Um, you know, to be honest, is is, is well, uh, I got one. Odd in a, in a setup.
0: So. First, oh, okay, he was a GM previous. To right. win the award with a different team, but first year GM who won was George McPhee with Vegas.
3: Okay, right, right, right. he being a GM previously, like he was. He wasn't a rookie GM. Like a, a rookie GM to me is, you know, like a rookie GM in the NHL is a rookie I'd say GM. Right?
0: First year GM with that
3: team. with that team, yeah. He wins with Vegas, and then obviously deservedly so. Yeah. But um, all right. So let's move on. Uh, that's just, I mean, I don't know who's going to win it. Actually, I think that if it's after the second round of the series.
0: The season, well, Let's let's bring up something that Russ yeah. Russ and I discussed or wow. actually Russ brought it up. Um not we, malls. Uh, What's that? Not malls. No, not malls. <laughs> not,
3: not the malls You heard there. about the mall discussion? <laughs> yes, we yes. The
0: discussion unfortunately. <laughs> wow. But uh but no, Russ was curious regarding a, a certain player <clears throat> signing his second contract, Russ. Uh in Minnesota, to... in Minnesota. Just say it. Just say it. Oh. Kurt, Kaprizov, after. Oh, Kaprizov, yeah, okay. Um,
2: yeah, so he burnt his first year of his contract when they signed him, so now his contract is up. He's still an RFA, and and so Minnesota has to give him a contract, and he's not an ordinary RFA signing, and he's already kind of hinted to management. we He would like them to upgrade at the center position, which, again, is the hardest thing to do in yeah. the NHL. And just my feeling is they're going to get one swing at this. To give him a long-term deal to his liking, otherwise it turns into Artemi Panarin, and so this is really going to be the big test for Garen, I think.
3: It will be.
0: Now he's not—he's not an arbitration eligible RFA. He's your right. RFA, which means they'll offer him the qualifying offer, and that, I believe that protects them against the offer sheet. But here's a here's an offer sheet. I mean, you know, this is a guy that I think teams would definitely offer sheet if they had the opportunity to. You know, because he's an impact player, you know. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm, he came up a little small in the playoffs. I'm not saying anything that, you know, that's a big deal, but he did. I mean, he didn't have a – he scored, what, one goal in the playoffs, um, I think, in that whole playoff series against Vegas. He was very, very – he's a very exciting player. There's no question about it. He's got all the skills. He's a, and he makes players better. Like He is seen. a Panarin-like, very Panarin-like in a lot of ways.
2: Mm-hmm. I do
3: agree that there's a lot of very similarities. But um, and I think he'll get a good contract. Uh, and they have, like – I guess they have Parise and Suter coming off pretty soon, right?
0: Two goals, one assist. Uh, no, no. Both Suter and Parise have, I think, three years oh, left. still three years left. Yeah, there. but you no. know what's
1: funny about that? All the talk is on Parisi. Nobody says anything about about Suter.
0: Yeah, sure.
3: yeah. Well,
2: because he still plays 20-something minutes a game. That's yeah.
1: why. Yeah, no. It's like that contract has not been a bad contract.
3: No. Yeah, no. Parise is, is definitely – been the one. And, you know, he, I mean, he, the fact that he wasn't playing in the play in the playoffs or, you know, in the, in the whole playoffs, he played the last yeah. two games, right. And played the last two games that series.
0: Yeah. now he, he had, he had, he had two goals in seven games, but here, it, expansion wise, here's another dilemma. And maybe it won't be a dilemma because like Kevin said, you know, players get traded before the expansion draft. Minnesota's got four defensemen th- I believe th- uh, that they probably want to protect three of them have no move clauses uh uh in uh, Spurgeon, Burdeen, and Souter. So the only way that they can protect from Matt Dumba being the guy that gets yeah,
1: they're trading him.
0: They're probably yeah, yeah. I would assume that yeah. they're trading him before.
1: Yeah, like he's yeah. our. He's like a two-year trade rumor,
0: isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's, you
3: know, he's, yeah. he's, he's a three, maybe three. I think. Yeah,
0: he's yeah. In Lane and are in the trade rumor Hall of Fame, right? I, yeah.
3: Not yet. Not yet. They'll get there. I mean, they've got a lot. They got to got to knock off some pretty pretty big guys, like you know Thomas Caverley. There you go.
0: Really? Thomas,
1: Thomas Caverley is in the 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 trade. He's rumor. in there.
3: Oh, no, he's yeah. in there. Is no question about it. He's in there yeah. with yeah. He,
1: he was the first ballot. Oh, well. oh yeah, he was
3: right away. Kovalchuk yeah. was in there for sure. Oh, um, oh. Le Cavier. LeCavier. LeCavier. There's certain guys that have definitely spent a lot of time in there.
0: Jeff Skinner in Carolina.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. This year, this year, for, and the, actually, couple oh, times. And yeah. and it, and it, when you, it, you actually get into the Hall of Fame when you do it on more than one team. You know, that's really that's really the big thing when you when you imagine well, being a trade rumor guy for more than one team. Yeah, Skinner's
1: okay. still. He's not in yet, so.
3: Right when you're still playing it, yeah, it's it's a little tough, you know. It's it's just tricky. All right, Here, so let's um let let's jump to Montreal then in Vegas tonight. Um, Ducharme is playing, is playing, is coaching, is coaching, playing. He's, he's playing. there in trouble. Play. Oh, he he decided to pull everyone else out. He's going to play. Um, has there been any word on Romanov? Has anyone heard anything about Romanov playing or not? I have not heard anything.
0: And Chandler Stevenson, Ch- Chandler Stevenson is coaching.
3: Yeah, he did not. Chandler Stevenson did not travel to Montreal, so that. This is, we talked about this yesterday, Kevin. I want your opinion on this. It, it is fascinating, like, you know, something that everyone seemed to have missed until Chandler Stevenson goes down is how thin this team is at center. Like, this team is crazy thin at center.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Um, but, uh, you know, this series has, has, has really been kind of remarkable in, in the sense that, um, you know, just the impression is is that Vegas has got it all all over Montreal. And then when yeah. I watch that series, I'm thinking, you know, Montreal, <laughs> you know, it's it's just as good as them. Like, why can't they win yeah. this series?
2: Yeah.
1: And when you see them together, like, it feels different. Like when Vegas was playing Colorado, Vegas seemed a lot better than they seem against Montreal.
3: That's um, true. Why so, is that? I'm wondering that too. Like, well, I,
0: I
2: think I, it's I think it's because of their toughness on defense. And now because their toughness at center winning faceoffs, like all of a sudden Vegas can't win a face-off. Like the, yeah. the one thing, and then I'll let you finish, Kev, sorry. The Alex Tuck thing, I went back and looked at it because I had never physically seen him play center. Uh, he played center in the USHL in 2014. So literally probably what they're going to do is, Kev, is what Kevin Hayes used to do early in his career until he got good at it, is to just try and tie up the guy facing off and let somebody else get the puck.
3: Right. <laughs> I mean yeah, they're getting owned. Okay,
1: center's yeah. really an interesting position. Kevin or Kevin. Paul Correa told me one time <laughs> that we were talking cuz I had asked him why he was never a center. You know, like he was always a wing and Correa always looked like a center to me. Like you 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 yeah. should play in center. And he goes, "Well, he said, let's be honest. He said in the modern NHL, the the center only determines who you're who you cover on the defensive side of the puck." Right. Like, right. it doesn't have anything to do with offense, he said. And it, right. you, you go where you want. You do what you're going to do. It, it's, you know, who you got coming back is yeah. all center means. So, if I was Vegas, that's the way I would look at all that. I'd have everybody just say, okay, you know. So, you, you sort of play with – I mean, if Tuck's going to play center, you, you know, maybe he's not the guy that goes deep. Maybe it's somebody <laughs> else on you
3: know. So, right. I mean, that's that is the big thing. I mean, the wings have the point, the wings have the defenseman on the point. That's their responsibility. Right. And the center's, you know, responsibility is to roam more in the middle and try to keep the slot and go and go back and get the puck, help the defense out. So, so you don't have it. So, you don't have a three on two situation in the offensive zones. Um, that's yeah, that's how it goes. And I, I totally think that this is a, it, it is like, you know, like when we talked about yesterday when they, when they, when they moved Paul Stastny out of there, you know, I thought, oh, no big deal. But then at the end of the day, it does become a big deal. Because of situations like this, I mean, this is and Chandler Stevenson, I mean, he's not. You're not talking about a guy that's a number one center on many other teams in the NHL. You're exactly. talking about,
1: yeah, that's for sure.
3: You know, I mean, what is he as a two or a second or third line center in a lot of teams in the NHL? Probably. So, here you are. I mean, if they lose tonight. Um, and Stevenson, uh, you you got to assume that he's not playing the next two games if he didn't travel to Montreal. I think. I mean, I can't imagine.
2: Well, he could travel the next day. I mean, if he's ready. Yeah,
1: but I, I agree with that. Then normally, yeah. if you're not, if you're not <clears> going, <throat> they're not thinking you're going to play.
3: Yeah. So if that's the case, Montreal's got a huge opportunity here. I mean, this is to me the big thing for tonight is can the Vegas forwards score a goal like that? Like I said the other night, having the only goals come from your defense. Um, he's had a great game, obviously God, you know what it, I mean that's that's the kind of that's the kind of game that makes it worth all the money that you paid him, <laughs> you know, peter angelo and but but your forwards have to score and their forwards looked frustrated against price and they were looking towards the sky and they were doing all the stuff that they were they've that they've done before that we've seen them do before against guys like Talbot in the well, first round last year against you know and against the Dallas. so yeah,
0: well, Kevin Kevin, let me ask you this because um, the statistic right now is that Montreal is nine and one when they score the first goal, and zero oh and four when they allow the first goal. That would lead me to believe, and I think that psychologically, you look at what how Vegas was after uh, Montreal scored the first goal in Game Two. That I think they were almost psyched out in a sense, and 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 Montreal was infused with confidence. If I'm Peter DeBoer, I'm telling my my team you know, go balls out in the first five minutes, just bear, you know, just do everything you possibly can to get that first goal because you know what the result is going to be. If Montreal scores the first one.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, Montreal is a a momentum team. Um, you know, there, we've seen this team several times, uh, in the last several years. Uh, it's, uh, you know St. Louis was a momentum team. You know, they they started their momentum early. Um, but you know like we we didn't uh, it, it's funny about St. Louis won the cup in the following fall we weren't talking about St. Louis repeating. You know, you know what I mean they weren't right, one of them. Right. It's true. It's true. Huh? So um and I think that's the way Montreal is. Like Montreal's playing well right now. I I don't think they're a great team with a great roster but they're playing very very well um and um you know that's that's all you need you you need to play well and with vegas having issues um with the injuries and and such um you know montreal has a chance but i i've been real impressed by montreal and the way they've played because they've done a really good job and i think they have a lot of confidence i'd rather be confident than skilled
3: right yeah, oh, in the in the playoffs, no question about it, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen that so many times. Um by the way, by the way Mike, your 9 in 1 thing and the 0 oh and 4 thing. Um I had a discussion with my wife Kevin about your discussion, about our discussion previously about math, okay? She she I said Kevin took Kevin called you out on the podcast because, you know, you don't like these stats but yet you like math. To which she, re, she to which she responded, "Well, tell Kevin this. <laughs> the probability. Yeah. Probability is not what you guys think it is when you guys talk about sports." She said, "If you flip a coin, okay, the if you flip a coin and someone says the probability is, a, if you flip a coin a hundred times, it will come up fifty times head and fifty times tails, right? That's what everyone says. That's the probability. She said, and that's completely wrong. That's it is probably. wrong. Yeah, that's not the probability. It's
0: it's every wrong. flip
3: probability has to do with every single flip, which is why right, she doesn't right. like these. Which is why she doesn't like these statistics. They're not talking about well, probability. I, 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 I
1: understand all that, but um, <laughs> there the um, there is a second level to probability um, okay. that you know well i mean she knows a lot more about it than i do but i remember from the the one you know probability class that i had in college that you know that you're absolutely right every time you flip a coin it's still 50-50 right but there is also the probability of what happens between the flips of the i mean that connecting the flips of the coins is a different set of probabilities
3: that's more of a i think that's more of a possibility yeah. possibility or chances type thing like or, but it, but it absolutely has, it absolutely has nothing to do with the next flip, and that's what, she, that's why she doesn't like the statistics, these, those statistics in hockey. And I kind it's the first time she explained to me, so I'm glad I had this discussion. It's the first time she explained to me, is so I understood as to why she's like, just because this team has won nine times when they've scored first doesn't mean they're going out of ten doesn't mean they're going to win the next time.
1: No, it um, doesn't. But um, what that doesn't take into account is that there are other factors that influence the 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 flip of the coin, like right. Uh, you know like you're talking about a flip the coin which you know it, it is uh where where everything is always the same but it's always 50,
3: 50 always right hockey right that's true and that, that okay good i can so, go back with that yeah, i want that, to keep this debate going
1: yeah when you when you flip it, flip a coin um you know that's that's always going to be the same it's always going to be 50 percent. but when you're playing a hockey game there are factors that influence like uh, that, that that influence what we are considering the flip of the coin which is scoring the, the winning goal like the confidence right. of the team uh the fact that the team that um doesn't win the flip is going to be demoralized um and so therefore they're not going to play as hard the, the crowd may get uh, yeah. uh, fired up as well so those yeah, yeah. it's all those yeah, yeah no, I,
3: I i like that and i think that's true and i, I think in hockey especially a nine in one a nine and one when you're scoring the first goal just makes you confident when you score the first goal and it gives you it also it makes yeah. you more confident and it also gives you it also gives you the op, you know gives gives you the drive to get that first goal because you you know that, that you know there's a little bit of superstition Yeah but look game.
2: Colorado scored the first goal two or three times and they're watching at home so
3: Yeah and you know and, and it's very true and and you know Tampa's won every game on the road except for one but that one game they they, they lost on the road was game 5 when they had a chance to put away Florida right so there's like you yeah. just don't know
1: yeah, I mean, th- uh, here's a good example of it. You know, right Six now minutes. in uh, baseball, unless they won last night, the Diamondbacks have a huge... No, losing. they didn't win. They didn't win. So they have a huge losing streak. Huge mm-hmm. losing streak.
2: 35 games, something like that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, um, you could say that, okay, they're a flip of the coin to win tomorrow. That's not exactly true because there's talent variations. But right. the, the, the weight of this losing streak makes it difficult for them to come out and you know have a 50/50 chance of winning tomorrow. Um
0: True.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: And I I think that's the same as true like when you have one of those things where you know you don't think there's any bearing on the the Maple Leafs players that they can't get out of the first round. Uh, of course there is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no, yeah it, it, was, weighs, it weighs, on you. And even yeah. if those guys weren't there for that, for those other other instances, So, there. so
1: you know, my point would be, yeah. So that that uh, that statistic that they haven't got out of the first round since what 2004. What yeah. is it? Yeah, that 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 yeah. that that is significant.
2: So, Kevin, what you're suggesting is the Leafs should be a team of robots because if they had robots, they could get out of the first round.
1: No, I don't think I'm suggesting that at all. I
0: like to look at it this way.
3: No one in the public school system in Toronto has ever seen the Maple Leafs win a playoff series.
0: Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. That's yeah. the way
3: I like to look at it. I want to talk one really quickly about one thing too, um, and you know, because we have gotten, we've you know, the Montreal series is, you know, I think we've said a lot about what we can say about that, um, and we're going to have you know, plenty more to say on Monday. Hey, you don't
0: want the, you don't want me to use my horseshoe reference. Again.
3: No, and this no. is indeed Friday. I just want everybody to know that this is indeed Friday. Um. So the Florida, but the, but but in the players pool that just came out, um, one of the interesting things that I saw in that pool that really struck me um, when they were was the vote for most complete NHL player, um, which was a tie, um, which was interesting. They, I think,
0: Bergeron and
3: who? Bergeron and Crosby tied yeah. the top for the most complete player. And first of all, the respect that Crosby gets throughout the league is 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 really interesting. There, that that's something that I really think that people have to remember because I think among fan bases, Crosby doesn't have quite. Always nope. the same.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. You're right on on that. And I've never understood that. I, yeah. I don't understand why he's not universally loved in Canada.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I have no understanding of that.
3: Yeah, it is. It's baffling. I mean, especially. I mean, I thought the golden goal would be it, Kevin. I mean, if he scores that golden goal, that should be. He should be. He should go up with Henderson in in not, Canadian. Not only work.
1: that is, but you know, he always tries to say the right thing. Oh, Yeah. You know, he, works yeah, he represents
2: the right. league and himself great.
1: Yeah, he, he works real hard. You know, he's still uh, you know, there's no sign of deterioration. I mean, he's not exactly as dynamic as he was 10 years ago, but I mean he still can play.
0: Uh, I, th- I, know, think, I think I think I think there's sort of like a like a boring quality to Crosby yeah. that you know, like a, for example, like okay, he scores the golden goal, he doesn't get a, a big ton of endorsements the most important endorsement or the most uh, uh, visible one was he he started doing Tim Horton's commercials and they had to include Nathan McKinnon in the in, in the uh, the the advertising campaign because Crosby wasn't exciting enough they had to have the other the other guy from uh, from uh, what was it, Nova Scotia where he's from yeah I mean so w- yeah, yeah. No, Nova Scotia. is there
3: anything to this theory just—I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just bit by. I think Kevin and I—we may, may have talked about this at one point somewhere down the line. And many, many great discussions um at a, an NHL Stanley Cup Final. But is there anything to this that Crosby? We know nothing about Crosby's private life. That he is incredibly private. I mean, just—I mean, he goes—he goes well beyond. I think to keep his off ice stuff off the ice.
1: Yeah. You know? No, I, I, there might be something to that. Yeah, I mean, you go back to. You know uh, when Wayne Gretzky started dating yeah. Janet Jones, like yeah, you know, yeah, that was, like major
3: news. And Gretzky's and, dad was always around, and we had yeah, like the whole theater there, was a lot, there was a lot to him.
0: Well, I mean, it's funny because C- Crosby had his thousandth game uh, during you know this during this past season, and they did a video presentation, and I believe he was on the ice with his girlfriend. And that was, I think, the first time that people yeah. have seen it. Yeah, movie. like
3: people, like you know, yeah. I, I didn't even know. I, I mean, if you ask most people in the, around the league, is Sidney Crosby married? Most fans around the league. I bet you. I bet you maybe, not. Well, I, well, what what percentage? No, no, that's who,
1: true. <laughs> well, it's true. And you know, who would know? Who would know? And you know, and and he's not uh, like I know him pretty well. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of interviews with him. I've done a lot of one-on-one interviews. I started interviewing him. Um when he was 17. he's gonna always be one of my all-time favorite players he, he you know he's fun to talk yeah. to he's interesting yeah. but you know he doesn't volunteer about uh his right. off time as he ever came which uh, to me was just hilarious is that he's amused that when he goes to a restaurant that what he orders is on twitter before it arrives at <laughs> his. <laughs> um and he 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 is on Twitter, uh, but he uses a handle, and he won't, yeah. he won't tell anybody who that. I play. have
3: talked to Claude it's Giroux about so him. Oh I talked it. to Claude, Claude Claude Giroux and him are very close, which is really ironic because people think of them as like arch enemies. They are great. Yeah. They are very close. Like Giroux considers him one of his better players in the league, one of his better fi- friends in the league. And Giroux says he's just a great guy who just who just absolutely just lives, breathes hockey. Like that's 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 he's yeah,
1: he is a great guy. I mean, he just absolutely is. He's yeah. White and cordial, he's a good teammate. Yeah. You know, he's considerate of others, Uh, you know, everything about him. But going back to that all around, what I really liked yeah. about that is there was – you could see that the players put some effort in this. Yeah. And the time makes sense to me because I think Crosby is a little better than Bergeron offensively, and I think Bergeron's a little better than him defensively. Yeah, uh, right. Because uh, right. I think Crosby is a very good and undervalued defensive player. Oh, he and, is. Yeah, uh, and Bergeron is undervalued as an offensive player.
0: And it um, was it was this it yeah. was a statistical tie, twenty three point seven
3: eight. That is crazy. Like think about that. That's I mean that is right. really I mean that and you know it, you're right though the, I mean Bergeron has such res, these these are two guys that just have such respect um, playing and and when they play when people play against them, but I also like the fact that they that that the next guy on this list was Alexander Barkov. Which really was something that I think that in this year, you know, we really saw like Bark- Barkov's coming out party to the world. I mean, Barkov's been a great player. Yeah, a he's couple been, years ago,
2: I think he had. That. Yeah, I think this I year he
1: just. I don't think it was this season. I
2: but think I mean, not. he
3: hasn't been on these kind of lists before. Like you haven't. No, he like, he's, he's pretty probably, well respected. Yeah, he's well, he's respected. There's no question about it. I'm not per- saying that.
0: He's a perennial Selkie nominee now. Yeah, for three or four yeah. years.
1: Yeah, yeah. This. Okay, he's, um, yeah, he's had that.
0: For- I'm gonna tell you which list sucked though. Actually. The best shot.
2: Alex Ovechkin, sure. You want to put him as the best shot, that's fine. The fact that Pasternak is behind McKinnon and Line and Matthews, sorry. If you ever listen to David Pasternak's shot, like if you're at the game and you listen to the way that shot, Eck and I listen to
0: it in an empty arena, and it's unbelievable what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> I, I will I will say this and admit beforehand that I'm doing it with a hint of sarcasm. But the the vote of if you need to win one game, who is the one player at any position you would want on your team? And Connor McDavid wins it. When Connor McDavid lost all four games in the playoffs, it's a team game, though. Yeah, I, know, I'm I just,
1: am, you know, Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not buying you that. He's just so dynamic. Like
0: that's saying he's not great. He is, but it's no, just. He-
1: but that there's logic to that vote, because what they're saying is, because first of all, we don't know what team he's going to play on. You know, we're just right. saying, you had to have one guy. Well, it's hard to think of a guy that's more dynamic or can do more. True. You know, so I I, I, I see that. I here's the one I think is interesting. Okay. The uh, goalie vote. Um, okay. Uh, Vasilevsky was number one, which you know, right, uh, should yeah. be. Wasn't Flurry number two, as I recall.
0: Um. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's my
1: here's my theory on that. Like, there are a lot of great goalies. I'm not saying that Flurry, his uh his performance level is deserving of being there to to be sure. But you could have taken other people. But I think two things weighed on players because they're you know, I think subconsciously this came in. He was treated poorly by Vegas in yeah. the holy mm-hmm. last summer. Yeah. yeah. And number two. He's might be known as the greatest teammate in the game today. Everybody knows it. It's right uh, around. Uh, people when they meet Flurry instantly like him, and yeah. I think there's some popularity there that goes into that. Now, I, I don't want to take anything away from how he's playing because you know I think he's plays great, but but I think that weighed into because they could have taken other guys too. There was
2: sure, but the drop off from first to second
1: is yeah. massive. Yeah, it should be. Don't you think it should be? Yeah, yeah. No, listen, yeah. I
2: think. You know Tampa had guts when they took Vasilevsky. Everybody knew he could be really great, but somebody had to take him. They did.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I still think if, if for me, I'm I'm not convinced. I mean, well, I, first of all, if I get one one guy to win one game with, it might be marc Andre Fleury. To be honest, like if I if I need a if I need a game one by a single guy, I think Fleury might be able to win you a game. Um, that, that, I'm, not, that I'm, not going, I'm not
0: going for it.
3: If I'm, if I'm yeah. asked that question, ninety-nine out of hundred times, I'm going to say a goalie to the answer that question.
0: I don't know about that act, but if but I, honestly, I think if it's one player, I would choose a goalie. Yeah, that's
3: what I'm yeah. saying. I would I, take
0: Vasilevsky over Fleury.
3: I agree.
1: I would. Yeah, I would, I would too. But I don't think I would take a goalie because oftentimes, you know, if I'm I'm assuming that if you're doing one. Game like that, you're playing against another great team as well. And then it just comes down to which goalie is hotter, uh, yeah, at that time. So I, I think I'd do a forward.
2: And this is where I bring up Mike Rupp because he never would have been on any of these lists. So you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> to me, it, and to, you know, and I think Flurry. I mean, what, what if Vegas wins this series with Montreal? If they do, you're, I think it's going to be very important to go back to the first ten minutes of Game One as to a big reason why they won this series. Because honestly there were moments in that first 10 minutes that Fleury made some saves that were just ridiculous that if Montreal gets, keeps their confidence going and gets the lead there, I don't know that Montreal, I don't know that Vegas wins this series. I think that, that to me was the, was this, the absolute telling thing. Um, and, you know, it is interesting now that we're also not hearing any talk of Leonard for game three, right? We're not, like, no, that's not, we're gonna not no talk of that. So I think, I think it's safe to say that the four bullies are kind of locked in now. And yeah. um, which is, I which just is think the, Vegas has to win their next faceoff. off. I can't even Think for them; they can't even think about like anything else. Would you, Kevin? Would you go? Yeah. Yesterday, I also brought up this that question. Um, would you go with the idea that we are looking at the two starting goalies for Canada, the two goalies, the two top goalies for Canada in the next Olympics in one series, and the two top goalies for the Russians in in the other series?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I could I could go with that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna have to see obviously how they're playing next. Uh, next fall um, because, you know, you're kind, kind of splitting hairs, you know, with the talented goalies. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh, there's nothing uh, I think you'd feel pretty good about it. Closer to goalies.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, that, I mean, and I think Flurry being
0: if Flurry at 40 is the, is the Olympic goalie or that would be pretty, that'd be a heck of a story too. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It's funny how the dynamic has changed because I think before, like during the season, um, I think it was probably Bennington, Blackwood, and maybe Price. But even though Price was not having a good year, but based on the, they always like to bring a veteran guy. But now I think it's it's Flurry, Price, and Bennington. I think the, that's yeah. But thing. if you're talking about a forty year old goalie winning for you in the Olympics on
2: international ice,
1: mm-hmm. that's not a great formula. That we're playing on North American ice.
3: Yeah. It's are a, they
0: playing on North American? Yeah. Okay. The, they
3: built North American ice in China. Um, okay. I
2: wasn't sure if yeah. they did. Okay. But again, um, that gives it a better chance,
3: though.
0: Again, and I, I know that, you know, we don't know if they're playing. Yeah. I don't know if they're playing. Yeah.
1: Either. I, mean, I They're playing.
0: You think so? Maybe.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could fall apart, but I, I uh, you know, I, just well, is too much at stake here. Like, they really do, uh, the IOC does want, and China wants, they want star power, and um, you know, it's hard to find that in the Winter Olympics unless you bring over some, you know, some some big-name uh, athletes. So, right. Yeah. That's yeah,
3: true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, all all right. right. That's all I got. That's all we got. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for a great uh, week, everyone, and enjoy the weekend. We'll have a lot to talk about. Geez, we'll have We'll know a lot by the the time we get here on Monday. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you then.